spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United. I'm part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. How are you today, Rob? Very hot still, you know, very humid, isn't it? And uh, it's quite nice to have some sunshine still, but it's just, you know, when you're recording in these hot studios that we have at home, uh, it can get a little bit much, but we'll cope with it. The water's next to me here. We'll survive. Is your blood boiling because of the Glazers' <laughs> dividends, Rob? We'll talk about that in a quick minute. Um, but yes, just the plugs before we get into anything. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us twice a week now on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode as well if you're listening on an audio platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B. And at Promise and MU. Today we'll talk about the dividends. Obviously, £11 million is due to be taken out of the club today as we record this on Friday morning, June 24th. We'll talk about the lack of signings that Man United have made. We're seeing that a lot of fans are starting to get quite frustrated and upset that Liverpool signed Darwin Nunes, Man City signed Erling Haaland, Arsenal signed a midfielder this week and are going for two Brazilian forwards at the moment by the looks of it. And United have done nothing apart from release a few players. So uh, obviously we'll talk, I'm sure we'll mention Frankie de Jong at some point, but we'll also mention one of his former Ajax teammates, Matthias De Ligt as well, who uh, is rumoured to be leaving Juventus. We'll discuss whether he would be a good fit at United. We'll talk about Cristiano Ronaldo being reportedly unhappy at the lack of signings that we just mentioned. And we'll talk Anthony to Chelsea or to United as well, as we reported on that Min a few days ago and we'll talk pre-season training because uh, this is the last episode that we will we will do Rob before pre-season training starts on Monday for the players who didn't represent their international teams a few weeks ago so let's start with dividends day happy dividends day Rob uh, 11 million pounds due to be taken out of the club today obviously we know that the Glazers have taken I don't know the exact figure but a lot of money a lot of money out of the club since they took over United in 2005. And this aligned with the lack of action on the incomings front and their, you know, their refusal in a sense, maybe not refusal, but their, their lack of activity with bringing in players and spending money on, you know, players and the stadium and all this kind of stuff. The training ground is making United fans frustrated. How are you feeling about that today? Because it's, it's bad timing. Is, is it is ever good timing, but it also is, is bad timing given United haven't done anything yet. Well, Manchester United are a bad PR machine anyway and always have been under the Glazers. You know, they don't really hide the reasons why they own Manchester United. The reasons why they own our football club is to cream the top off of the layer of the cake and say, well, that little bit is ours. That goes in our private bank accounts. We can do what we want with that. That's our money for owning the club. And then we'll just operate it as a business. That's what they do. How do I feel about the dividends? Well, of course, I do not agree that they should take dividends out of the club. But I'm also realistic. All owners take dividends out of their football club in general. They do. Now, there's some owners who are a little bit more PR conscious and just will hide behind things. I think the one you see most at most football clubs is they'll hide behind a new signing. So on the flip side of that, Scott, I've got no interest as a United fan to bury my head in the sand because United have just signed another shirt seller. I think it's really important this time around that we've got a new manager that, yes, you're going to take your dividend out, but make sure you restructure and reboot this project in the correct manner. So that's how I feel about it. I get why United fans are upset about £11 million leaving the football club, but out of a, a football club that's worth billions, it's a very small percentage. Now, again, that doesn't make it right. But it doesn't stop you making signings. It doesn't make. It doesn't stop you sorting a new stadium out. You know, it doesn't stop you investing. 
it just means that that's what the Glazers do it for. And it goes into their personal bank accounts. And someone said to me, he's a football analyst around football business. They said, you know, there's, there's two theories on this. The Glazers, you think, would make more money just selling the club and putting all that money in their pockets. But the reason why they do this is it is like their own little bank account. 11 million here, 20 million there. And it bolsters their family, their wealth, their personal wealth. And of course, they've got plenty of other businesses as well. But does it upset me? Again, it's a bit like United. It, to me, it's like problem number 27 on the list at Manchester United under this owners. So no, 11 million today, it will be there. It will be gone. It's not the reason why you haven't got De Jong from Barcelona. It's not the reason why Anthony hasn't signed from Ajax yet. It's just how it is, just how football is structured to allow owners to cream off their own football clubs that they own. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Gary Neville uh, is among the high-profile figures to come out in criticism of it. He's tweeted on Friday morning uh, with a screen grab of Christian Eriksen choosing between Brentford and Man United. Obviously, that's still the case. I think he's, he's on holiday, as far as I understand it, at the moment, and we'll make a decision on where he goes soon, whenever, whenever he's back. He says, uh, that's why dividends have to stop for a period. I think he's called for about a three-year uh you know, amnesty or three-year delay for this happening. Uh, that's why ha- dividends have to stop for a period. Every penny has to go back into the club until it becomes attractive again. The club has become a graveyard for players, culturally for owners to take money out of a poorly performing business is demoralizing. Uh, and Man United Supporters Trust as well have put out a series of tweets this morning. Uh, not, I don't think it's an official statement, but some tweets uh, today, the Glazers paid themselves a lion's share of another million dividend at the end of one of the worst seasons in living memory. Reward for failure is poor practice in any business and totally unacceptable given the current state of things at United, uh, both on the playing field and in the <coughs> stadium. United as a club in dire need of investment to see more money going out of the door to owners while so far this summer seeing nothing invested into new players is little more than an insult. Uh, and it does uh, it does go on as well for a, a few more tweets after that. But... Yeah, I, I do understand the frustration. Uh, but like you say, Rob, I mean, yeah, I think United will end up spending a lot of money this summer at some point. It's just when will that end up happening? We all know that Frankie de Jong is the main target at the moment and United are haggling with Barcelona over a price. While Barcelona themselves are holding out for, I don't know if you noticed this, but Barcelona holding out themselves for, you know, the highest possible price that they can get for De Jong and will not budge on that, but they're mm-hmm. yet doing the same thing to Bayern Munich with Robert Lewandowski, who are holding out for 50 million euros, and they bid it underneath that. So it's just, yeah, it's just the way football clubs are kind of running. The log jam. It's the log it, jam. It is, yeah. And I think once one moves, perhaps De Jong, I think once once there's an agreement strike, struck there, uh, maybe we'll see a whole, thing, a whole host of things move a bit faster. Um just on that for a second, Rob, actually. Uh, how important is De Jong... Uh, how important is this happening, this De Jong deal? And how important is it that he does come in before... Because we talked off we talked off air about this, actually. The, you know, the transfer window closes on September 1st. But how is it, how important is it before... Uh, or for De Jong to get in at the start of his preseason training, which is meant to be on July the 8th after his holiday? Well, ideally, you'd want the player today, wouldn't you? You'd want it done and dusted and say, you start work on this date, mate, and let's go. But football rarely works like that, even even outside of Manchester United. I know people have this idea that at other football clubs, it's just all so smooth and easy and players arrive and come and go and it's just, you know, in and out the door. But I think what's more important, Scott, is that United get these first signings under Ten Hag correct. So he wants De Jong, he wants Anthony, get them. I don't care if you get them this week or next week or the day before September the 1st. Get them. Get them and for the new manager so he can build what he wants to build. Now, that doesn't go with fan narrative. Fans want to be fluffed all the time about transfers. They want to be excited. It's part of the kind of rigmarole of fandom. But unfortunately, it's just not where we are. Manchester United are a football club whose reputation are in tatters. Just to revisit what you just said there about what Gary Neville said about the Glazers and about dividends and one thing or another. Um, Gary's coming from a standpoint of 
moralism of owning a football club. The Glazers don't have morals. What's the point in asking them to be moralistic around their, their football club and their investment? There is no point. So we have to kind of take it from a different angle because most clubs do have their owners take money out of the football club. It's just how it works. You know, we said they're Gary's own Salford and he's put a lot of money into that football club. But there will come a time that if Salford ever got to the Premier League, where Gary might take a dividend out of that football club. It's just how it works. But I think with the Glazers' ownership, what we would demand as Man United fans is that they look after the lifeblood of the club better than they have. That the, the, the debt is taken away, that you do build a new stadium, that investment is regular and it occurs not in fits and starts. And you don't sack a manager every two years. You know, that's kind of what we're demanding, I think, as fans. Or you say to them, sell the club. That's the other side of it, isn't it? Sell it, but sell it to someone that cares about Manchester United, not some conglomerate from the Middle East or something like that, because I think then you have additional problems. So it's once again, isn't it, the story of Manchester United, Scott, isn't it? It's just, it's it's a juggling act. And I hope that, like, if, if we did sign De Jong tomorrow, the United fans suddenly aren't satisfied. Because I think that's a problem, isn't it? A year ago, we signed Ronaldo and a lot of United fans <laughs> bought the shirt and shut their mouths. And that's not good enough because I think we saw how that season turned out. It's easy to do that. It's easy to sign players to shut fans up. And that's not really what we want at United. I don't think I've bought a shirt or any piece of United merchandise since about 2011. Um, so, yeah, I uh, haven't been putting my money in their pockets. Or well, the Glazers know them. when they signed Ronaldo. They, they saw the shirt sales and they went, hmm, this works. This shuts fans up. Look at the sack. Look at the, you go in the, 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 the shop at United and there's literally a tiny bit for all the players and then rows of Ronaldo, rows of Ronaldo. And why is that? Because fans are going in, they're buying it. So if Ronaldo shuts you up, Ronaldo's on 50 million pound in two years. That's a lot of money for one player on a contract. But they understand that that's how their game works, the Glazers, in terms of commercialism. So I think United fans have to be a bit smarter as well when it comes to this kind of whole, you know, I always call it the ecosystem of like transfers to make sure that that you understand why the football club is operating as it does. Let's talk Ronaldo. Uh, there are suggestions in the last few days. There was a link between Ronaldo and Bayern Munich, which has been shut down. Uh, that's not going to I don't think that's going to happen. It's the, the least Bayern Munich signing I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, been ruled out pretty quickly, but there are suggestions that uh, Ronaldo is unhappy with the lack of signings uh, because he is, what, I think he's 38 now. Uh, he has obviously joined United last summer with the impression that United would end up challenging for titles, but we all know how that went. Uh, the suggestions that he's un unhappy at the lack of signings, while other clubs like Manchester City sign Erling Haaland, Liverpool sign Darwin Nunes, Arsenal sign a player, Chelsea will obviously they've had the the ownership stuff hanging over them, so they'll be at business soon, I would think. But they they've let Romelu Lukaku go. This any comment to make on that actually before we go into uh, into the Ronaldo thing because United got a lot of stick for selling Romelu Lukaku, didn't they? Uh, and it's gone worse for Chelsea somehow. It's, it was a strange signing if your manager's Thomas Tuchel and there was a feeling that Thomas Tuchel might not have been the Chelsea manager this year going back over time. So there, there was a, a theory around Lukaku being for whoever the next manager would be. But then that damn Tuchel, he won a Champions League, didn't he? He kind of kept his job. And Romelu Lukaku was shown that he can't operate in his system. And everyone knew it before it happened. So it's a strange one. Does not surprise me at all. Um, he didn't really want to leave Italy. Like that was, again, the big line that when he signed for Chelsea and did the whole I'm coming home thing, there was another narrative where he was saying to other people, I'm really at home in Italy and, and I love it in Milan. And, you know, kind of doing this because the money's on the table and Inter is selling me. And that happens in football. It's a professional business, isn't it? But at the same time, it does not surprise me that he hasn't been able to maybe impose himself on a Chelsea team where he doesn't really fit at all. Chelsea would go out and find players that will fit their system now. And I think taking Lukaku's big wage off the wage bill was essential. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people tipped Chelsea to win the league with Lukaku up front last season. I wasn't one of those. Uh, but, you know, it didn't go well. It hasn't gone well. They paid a lot of money for him of 
shipped him off on loan now for a relatively small loan fee, and they'll, I'm, I think, as far as I understand, they'll they'll figure out a transfer fee later because Chelsea didn't want uh, an option in the deal. Inter, Inter didn't want an obligation. So, yeah, weird one that one. Strange one, but also, again, not really a surprise. Because I think this is the thing. Chelsea themselves are a little bit in transition and they need to find the right players for this this lot. Like They bought Lukaku and, as you said there, it was like, well, now Chelsea will compete for the title. And I think as it shows, like Manchester United went and got Cristiano Ronaldo, who scores loads of goals, but actually made the team worse. Not blaming Cristiano, but it did make the team worse. They, they didn't win games. So I think Chelsea are a little bit like that. I think they finished the season pretty poorly overall. And they never really clicked with him up top. And you still see that they're a better team when they play a false nine. Yet I hear Chelsea fans tell me all the time, we need a number nine, we need a number nine. So football's not going that way. I know City have just bought the ultimate number nine, but they will still be operating a system that allows their other players to thrive. And I think at Chelsea, that was a problem. It was either Lukaku or Bust, and it was Bust. So they've moved him off because he doesn't help them win. And I think you always got to look at your big players. And that's the big question you always ask. Do they help to help us win? If the answer is no, go. Move them on as quick as you can. Uh, I, I definitely shoehorned that bit in, as I mentioned Lukaku's <laughs> name there. Sorry, Rob. We'll get back to the Ronaldo part. Uh, unhappy at the lack of signings is the suggestion. He's been on holiday, though. I'd imagine, yes, obviously, it's Cristiano Ronaldo who wants to end up winning trophies. Uh, and the, the suggestions are that if United don't make signings that he's happy with this summer, that he'd look to leave at the end of the transfer window. Uh, a, Rob, do you believe that to be the case? Do you think that will actually end up coming about? Uh, let's go with that question, actually, to start with. No, the answer is no. Why is the answer no? The answer is no, because Manchester United are guaranteed him £25 million in wages this year, which is about half a million pound a week. Who else is going to give him that? No one. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's, it's basically it's a business deal, isn't it? So Cristiano, like all the United players, central to to the cause of where you want to be this season, will want United to make signings. I mean, Luke Shaw being the most kind of vocal in years gone by, he would talk about signings a little bit more progressively and say, we need this position, we need to do this, we need to do that. So there is that at Manchester United, but I really don't think Cristiano's banging on any doors. He knows he's at the club for 12 months. He's going to get paid a load of money. And Cristiano knows that he wants the football club to be about him because he loves all, all that. That's part of his ego and his ethos. So, yes, he wants United to make signings, but he's certainly not going to put in a transfer demand at the end and say, sell me, please, because he's not going to get £25 million from any other football club over a 12-month period. Even PSG have come out, haven't they, this week and said, the days of bling are over. And the reason why they've said that is, one, because they haven't won what they want to win with the days of bling, but two... They've paid an extortionate amount of wages to players who are not loyal to their football club. Well, more for you. Manchester United have done exactly the same thing. So this is, I think, where football wants to be more organic and wants to kind of, you know, wants to make stars again rather than buying them. And there's literally no one in the world who would buy Cristiano Ronaldo and give him £25 million this year. The only club that would, de- <laughs> would do that is the one that's doing it right now. And that's his one that he's got. That's why he's not leaving. PSG also do have a case of uh, they have Neymar in tow and there's been rumours this week of uh, them wanting to sell him even though his contract will renew for another two years on July 1st if this was United one year ago I mean I'd be looking at Neymar thinking oh no (laughs) don't don't be careful what you say be really careful what you say about Neymar Um, do not be surprised if United get involved in that somehow do not be surprised because Again, it's it's easy to go and get a star. Like, you can do it. Put the wages on the table. Construct a really nice commercial deal. You bring him in, and it shows your fans that you're serious. But the truth is, it doesn't. It shows your fans that you're reckless. So, uh, <laughs> PSG are shopping in Neymar. They are. But Neymar has been very clear early doors straight away saying, I want to stay. He's on a, he's on a good deal there. He doesn't want to leave. And he believes that he can still be the superstar at that club, even though there's another superstar, you know, right next to him there and another superstar right next to him there. He still believes that he can help them win Champions League. So, but wait and see on that because he's being shopped and let's, let's, there'll be clubs interested. We just mentioned Chelsea a minute ago. Uh, I think they're one of the clubs as well. We'd quite like to see him in the Premier League, but you know, well, exactly. Uh, 
I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It was it was kind of like the the Van Gaal joke uh, a few years ago. <laughs> Great for the Premier League. You just don't want them at your club, do you? Uh, it's it, it was that kind of thing. But um, anyway, we uh, I've digressed enough there, Rob. Uh, United. I have this in my notes. Well, this is from the Athletic. Uh, just a note to point out. They've done a good piece on uh, obviously all the financial stuff mm. and the Glazer ownership today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little tidbit coming from there. Man United's player sale profit since 2012 is 110 million compared to Liverpool's 358, Chelsea's 583, and Man City's 233. That's significantly lower. I mean, we're talking, we've talked about this on a previous show before. United, I think United's third record sale or fourth record sale still is David Beckham in 2003. Uh, and bringing in the Neymar chat and all this kind of stuff. You just want Man United to act more like a serious football club who know what they're doing. Uh, and there's so many so many different things that point to the fact that United aren't acting like that at the moment. It's really hard to yeah. believe that anything's going to change in the future until you actually see it happen in front of you, isn't it? See, that fact and stat bothers me so much more than the £11 million in dividends because it shows that they're negligent in how they do their football business. So we've always heard, don't we, that United like resale value. We want players to come in that we can develop and then resell and we'll make the money and we'll move it on. Man United have never done that. They've never done it successfully. They did it with one player, Cristiano Ronaldo, who's now back at the football club. So they've never really taken that you know, philosophy of, of getting a Coutinho, developing and then flogging him at the highest price possible to the most stupid bidder. Sorry, Barcelona They did it with Dan James, Rob. What are you talking (laughs) about? They did do it with Dan James and made, like, whatever it was, £8 million profit or whatever. (laughs) Well done, you know, like, you know, clapping away there. Um, But that's the truth. You know, I look at that and that shows me that that they're just really bad at doing the football business. Because you're going to sell players, okay, sell them for high price, and then buy again and go again, kind of like what Ajax do. That's how Ajax operate. That's how lots of clubs operate. But Manchester United have just never done it. Why do they not do it? Because they pay the most in wages, and they do pay ridiculous fees and agents' fees. So all of that money just literally disappears into the ether. So that's why the £11 million, I'm not sat here, you know, tears rolling down my eyes, yeah, out my eyes and down my face, because... It's pointless. You, you read that stat to me again, Scott. What did what did the athletic report? What was it? Exactly? Money United's player sale profits since <laughs> 2012 is yeah. 110 million versus Liverpool's 358, Chelsea's 583, and Man City's 233 million. That's huge. Hundreds of millions in transfers difference to your rivals. Hundreds of millions, and they're winning trophies, and you're not. It's just the bottom line, Some... isn't it? Simple as that, really. It really is. Uh, sick. You know, That's sick. United's grand plan was to, I don't know, do it with you know, that contract for Phil Jones that they gave a few years ago in 2019, I think for four years. He's still got another year left on it, Give on 100 grand a week or something like that. Oh, yeah, Phil Jones, let's just protect his value and that kind of stuff and just end up trying to sell him. You can now see that United cannot sell Phil Jones and have been trying for a long time but just can't do it because he's on extortionate wages, which no other club will pay. Anthony Martial, the same. You know, uh, Dean Henderson is probably one as well. They've given a new contract to on wages that are massive and all they can do is loaning out, loan him out to a newly promoted club. <laughs> and this uh, is Ed Woodward all in, again, in a nutshell. So this is how the guy that ran your business from day one when David Gill left and came in and took over, this was his strategy that has blown up in your face. And now he's waved away. Thanks a lot, United, for the years. You know, I left you with a UEFA Cup here and a, and a League Cup there and an FA Cup there. But by, you know, complete failure. And now you're going to have to rebuild. So this is what I said about United being a joke in the marketplace because agents and players look at United and go, You've not done a very good job behind the scenes, have you? So you don't fulfill your promises that you tell players. And I think that's a big problem for for Richard Arnold now because you're going to have to create something completely new and exciting. But at the same time, have some real true value to it. You know, you can't just make it up. Man United will never be the Disney world of football as Edward would want it to be. You have to be a serious football club. That means winning football matches. And Man United have not been very good at that recently. Let's talk shiny new players now. Uh, because obviously that's what fans want to see. Uh, 
<laughs> Anthony is uh, Anthony's one player. I was going to do delete first, but I think Anthony might be the best best one to start with. So I'll just rejig. Uh, Anthony has been in the news this week. Uh, mm-hmm. We at Nightingale reported on went Monday or Tuesday that United had strong interest in him. I think there was a report which came out which suggested that United were close to signing him for forty million pounds. Uh, they'd send a delegation over to talk to Ajax and this kind of thing. That was uh, £40 million, I think, is a bit optimistic. And I think that's mm. what we reported at, at the time as well. Getting Anthony for £40 million is... Uh, I don't think United can do that. I don't think United are capable of that. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so we'll see. But that's not to say that Anthony isn't open to a transfer. I do think he wants to leave the club ahead of the World Cup and test himself at a higher level. But you look at the players who are going for the similar positions in the Brazil national team and look at the figures that are involved with them. You look at Rafinha, mm-hmm. 55 million. Gabriel Jesus, 45, 50 million, probably. Uh, Richarlison, probably around 50 million if he ends up leaving Everton this summer. And then why... Ajax, after they've already sold Sebastian Allaire and uh, Masraoui's gone, Ryan Gravenberg has gone to Bayern Munich as well. Ajax don't need money, so why would they sell on the cheap kind of thing? But Anthony might end up pushing pushing this through uh, at some point. But I mean, as far as we understand it, I mean, Frankie de Jong is top of the list and that's the deal that United want to get done first. And then Anthony may end up following later. But we also did report on Thursday that his representatives were in England a few weeks ago to talk to United and also Chelsea. Uh, and that has kind of uh, spread like wildfire over the last day or so. Not to say that Chelsea are seriously in for him. I think Anthony may still prefer United and re- reuniting with Ten Hag. But do you think, uh, are you optimistic on the Anthony deal, Rob? Do you think Chelsea could end up getting in the mix here and causing a problem for United? Probably not. Um, I think it's also valid to again to let fans understand I think we said this in previous weeks that Manchester United's business operation operates out of London so quite often agents end up in London and they talk to several clubs including Manchester United because they're all within on a postage stamp near each other and they'll go and do the business they'll go and talk about their clients um from what we know Anthony has a has a big leaning towards Manchester United as it stands he'd like to have a reunion with Ten Hag he really likes the manager. He's one of his boys. And that's definitely his preference. But I will insert the Darwin Nunes clause here. And that was that Darwin Nunes, the big thing for him was coming to the Premier League. That was the first bit. So this is why when Man United got involved with that, it was way before Liverpool made their interest known. But what we did know was that the player 100% was coming to England. And I think that's kind of where we stand with Anthony and his representatives. So if Manchester United say pulled the deal, say they're not interested, then I would not be surprised if Anthony does go to a Premier League team and goes for a big price. The 40 million, which was initially kind of mooted and put forward, came from the English side of the story. And that is quite often a thing. So when it comes from our side of the fence, <laughs> the price is always smaller just the way it works because that's what Manchester United want to operate around and that's what they feed their journalists and their contacts he's never going anywhere for 40 million pounds like you just said there Rafinha you're talking a a, a team like Leeds that just survived relegation he's gonna go for over 50 million you know you're talking about Gabriel Jesus who's a reserve at Man City but of course play plenty of games he's gonna go for more that so why would you take a hot talent like Anthony and and take 10, 15, 20 million off him. So Man United want the player, they're going to have to pay for the player. And they are in lead of that race. You just said there, you think De Jong will happen first. I'm not so sure. I think the United have got three or four players that they would like to sign. And I think the dominoes will just fall as they fall. It's just a case of getting them over the line in a, in a, in a time frame that helps the manager, that helps you around the pre-season start. Uh, do, do not be surprised if Man United still buying players on transfer deadline day. It will probably happen because that's what United United like to own that bit There's of the some media. great value to be had on deadline day, Rob. You, you, you know, sign a, you sign a player. <laughs> you sign a player on deadline day. It's the biggest story in the universe. That's what clubs do. They do it for that reason. It's why it's a thing. So do not be surprised if that happens. But I think with the players that we've been talking about and talked about consistently, uh, I think Anthony and uh, and De Jong, 
I'm fairly confident. I think United are in the lead in those races. It's just a case of negotiating with their clubs. Barcelona want the best fee possible for their player. Ajax will absolutely want the best fee possible for one of their top talents who's done so well at their football club. And they also both know, Barcelona and Ajax, that Man United are desperate to get business done. So, of course, you're going to wait and push it as far as you can and get the maximum fee. You know, so we, you talked about De Ligt there. We should talk about him as well. Again, being shocked by his club. And I think this is where it all kind of merges together. Is that when United are looking at positions, you need to assess what's on the market, what's serious, but also what's just kind of more transfer bluster that comes out of countries and out of their nation's media. Uh, just before we do delict in more detail, do you think De Jong will happen? Honestly? I think that both... You know, this sounds like sitting on the fence, but it's just the, the position that I have. I think both are kind of 50-50, those deals, Anthony and Delict, simply because there'll be a desire for Manchester United to get the deals done, but those clubs that are selling can just say no. And that's where we are in those deals. So Barcelona was shopping De Jong, and they, they made it quite clear that they will sell for the right price. I think Ajax will sell again, but for the right price. And nothing comes easily here for Manchester United. So United will at some point have to put offers in that tempt these clubs. And then the deal suddenly gets done. It's, but like you highlighted at the top of the show, players are on holiday at the moment. And that does matter. The next two weeks, it's normally a little bit of a funny time. You know, agents are doing their jobs. Clubs are doing their jobs. The players are on the outside looking in a little bit more, directing things from their holiday bed in Marbella, on their on their cell phones trying to make stuff work but not actually being involved themselves so it i think it's a wait and see and i i do think it's 50 50 i i mean that sincerely and i think united have got a very good chance of getting their targets because eventually united will have to roll the red carpet out to these agents and once you do that then things move a little bit quicker because the agents are involved and they start conducting the band yeah, obviously, we've talked midfielders there. We've talked uh, Anthony, who's a wide forward, plays on the right-hand side, uh, cutting in with his left. Uh, United would like, I think they'd probably like another midfielder as well. If they do get mm -hmm. De Jong, obviously, they're linked with Christian Eriksen too. Mm -hmm. Do they need a more all-action midfielder too? We'll wait and see. But obviously, United are looking at defenders as well. A name linked this week is the lad from final, Tyrell Malassia. Uh, not going to talk about him today in too much depth, but a Dutch teammate of his, Matthias De Ligt, uh, reports from Italy suggesting overnight that he is on his way out of Juventus. Uh, he has a release clause, I think, active or becoming active at some point, but the, mm -hmm. the chat is around a fee of 68 million might be able to, might be enough for Juventus to do business there. United have been looking at, or oh, they want a centre-half, but they, as we mentioned on the show earlier this week, there are three defenders in there, perhaps four, that United will end, or would like to sell. I mean, Victor Lindelof if, would go for the right offer, I'm sure of it. Eric Bailly is on the market at the moment. Axel Twinsebe is on the market for the right offer. And Phil Jones, we've already mentioned as well. De Ligt has been a target of United's before. And obviously mm -hmm. with Eric Ten Hag, former Ajax coach, now installed as United manager, and the absolute slew of Ajax players or Dutch players or former Ajax players that have been linked with United. This one is inevitably going to come up, isn't it? It's, it's Chelsea who've been... Chelsea are looking for probably, maybe two centre-halves this, this year. So they're the ones that have been installed as you know the, the name to go alongside this story. But I think United will get involved in this, whether they want to or not, <laughs> uh, with media reporting over the next few weeks. So would this make a good fit? Because he's not blessed with pace, is he? He's a really bad fit. I think he's a really good player. I do like him. I really like him. And again, it's about all the moving pieces, about what do you do? Like you've just said there about these outgoing centre-backs. There's no doubt I think a, a chunk of them will be moved on because I think you've got to get them off your wage bill again. But I think when you look at Delict, what do we know about this deal at the moment? Well, Chelsea have been approached by Juventus and intermediates that they would be willing to sell for the right price. Again, this is a slow one because it's about Juventus getting the money that they want. They've obviously made a huge investment in Delict originally. He does have a release clause, which is completely unrealistic. I think it's around 120 million euros. That isn't going to happen. That's not a thing. But if Delict does want to leave Juventus or Delict does want to come to the Premier League, someone's going to have to pay a lot of money for him. 
Now, do I think that will be Manchester United? The truth is, no, I don't think that he... I think when you can get Pau Torres for a reduced fee and he will fit your system a little bit better, great. You're probably more likely to go for him. But even you know, we said off air and we've said it you know, behind the scenes, the Pau Torres thing has gone relatively quiet. And that's because Manchester United don't see him as the number one priority. They just see him as a priority if they want a centre-back. And this is where Delict fits into it. Is he a player that Ten Hag will go... Actually, now he's on the market. I love him. He's the play was great for me and I want to build around him. He's actually going to be my captain. I want to bring him to the football club. That could happen. That could be a thing. I think at the moment, he's more likely to stay at Juventus or go to Chelsea, I think, being completely honest. But if he's on the open market, Manchester United will be approached. There's no doubt about it. Manchester United will, will ask about pricing and wages because, again, he's the kind of player that Ten Hag, I think, would like at his disposal. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, I think that's inevitably going to come up if he is going to leave Juventus at some point this summer. Why would you leave Juventus, though? I mean, you know, they just signed Paul Pogba. They got Dusan Vlajevic. They've got... Uh... <laughs> I was going to make an Adrian Rabio joke. There's, a, there's some, something <laughs> something in uh, in 90 Min Towers at the moment Ooh. just uh, talking about Adrian Rabio and his <laughs> skills or lack thereof. Uh, All of the top clubs, Manchester United included, have got to move players off their wage bill. So sometimes you've got to get creative and you've got to sell players that maybe in years gone by you wouldn't have. And you've got players on big wages and you've got to trim it to go and do the business that you want to go and do. So Barcelona, a classic example of that is that they cannot start season just by doing what they did last year. Because Real Madrid absolutely took them to task, didn't they? Real Madrid won the Champions League and La Liga. You're forced to go and do business. Manchester United have just watched Liverpool get to a Champions League final, Man City win the title, and both of those teams score in the high 90 points. And you're a million miles behind. You therefore are forced to do business. You have to get rid of players to be able to bring players in. So this is why these things do take time. But a lot of this shopping that goes on at this time of the transfer window is also normal. We see clubs put it out there. Don't put players on transfer lists anymore. That's not a thing because then you have to trigger stuff in contracts and pay players off. But you allow agents to go and talk to other clubs, maybe in a kind of more open manner to see if they're interested in in your asset. So Delict, I think, is something that's going to roll. I think we'll hear a lot about him in the weeks ahead. Let's, uh, let's talk pre-season then because the season's only just finished by the seams of it. But next season is already on our doorstep. A number of players who were not on international team, I mainly think of Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford here, will be due back early next week, I believe on Monday, mm-hmm. to start work with Eric Ten Hag, his coaches, etc., etc. I think United fly out on their preseason tour the week after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's that's coming. And United's players, Marcus Rashford has been hard at work in the gym. Jaden Sancho has been hard at work playing basketball and in the gym. Axel Twanzebe has uh, posted a picture of ripped. him with his shirt off, absolutely <laughs> ripped to shreds. you got uh, Antonia Langer did the same a few weeks ago as well. Yeah. Uh, preseason training starts now. Are we going to see it? Given how last season ended, Rob, and how, for me, it just looked like the players were completely disconnected. They were playing within themselves. We, we obviously spoke about this the other day as well. United were playing so within themselves that any kind of improvement in effort will probably see them look a whole lot better going into the new season. Do you think it's a new chapter now? Do you think these players who were underperforming, maybe injured at the back end of last season, will refocus and look like the players we know they can be? It is undoubtedly a new chapter. So... That's the first bit. You know, you turn the page. And I think it's actually quite good to see these players taking their summers seriously. So they're going, do you know what? I've got a new boss come in. Now, do you know, we talked about this with Ralph Ranić, and didn't we? And we talked about the transition between Ole, Ralph and today. And it's way too obvious for these multi-million pound young men in their 20s to say, well, this bloke Ranić, who wants us to counter-press, What's the point? I don't need to. I've got a new manager coming in. He's the guy I need to impress. So I'm not surprised that we've seen all these guys, as I said, running up hills like this, doing the whole Rocky thing and showing their abs off. You know, Axel 2 and Zabi, oh my God, look like the Incredible Hulk in his, his picture. And you know, Axel 2 and Zabi, he's a good footballer. 
So I look at that and I think that's that's a pleasing marriage there. Those two, you could bring the two and Zabi in and you could bring Ten Hag in and Ten Hag on day one might get in his head and find something. So when you're a new manager, that has to be the route. And this is why I say to fans to be patient. Not because I'm saying to you, oh, I'm a Glazer guy and I want you all to be cool on the Glazers. You know what I mean? Not at all. No, be hard on the Glazers. But also understand that a new manager has to meet the players first. Ten Hag has not met any of these people yet. So he will meet the squad because you can't sell everyone. And I hope that with his methods and the way he man manages and his tactics, that's so important, the tactics, that he can teach these players to be better than what they were last year. I mean, the big issue last year, Scott, is that they just didn't run enough. You look at them, they're kind of overall malaise around how they performed. People might look at Paul Pogba and say, that's the kind of guy we don't want. But when you look at the rest of them, they were all they were all worse, I think, than a Pogba or anyone like that. At least Pogba is a language style. But when you look at other players who should be running more and they weren't, you've got to question why. And I think that's a, a lot to do with the whole Ranić issue. This is why Ranić's no longer involved at the football club as well, is that this is a new chapter. And I think that now you have to say to Ten Hag, go and work with these guys. Get them running, get them fit, get them prepared. And as I said yesterday, actually... I will judge it on day one of the season. That's when I'm not going to judge it in a window. I'm not going to judge it in pre-season. On day one, when I watch United, that's when I'll either get really excited by it, what I can see, or I'll be like, hmm, those six players all look very samey. That doesn't mean that he can solve it on day one, but you just want to start seeing those kind of green shoots of recovery, don't you? Yeah. Uh, two questions I have for you, Rob. Okay. Uh, could you pick a couple of players that you have a gut feeling will be different and look a lot better than they did last season under Eric Ten Hag? And secondly, how long do you give it until we get leaks about players being dissatisfied at training methods? <laughs> um, maybe next Wednesday, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think we won't hear a lot of that in the earliest time with Ten Hag. The simple reason for that is that any leaks get out in that manner those players are gone and they're gone quick. So I think that Ten Hag will be pretty ruthless with that. I don't think he will allow any of that to kind of happen on his watch. Players, I think, will be better next year. I do think that Jaden Sancho will show a lot more. So Jaden Sancho, for me, needs a coach who is going to allow him to do the technical things that he was good at at Borussia Dortmund. And he's not had it at United, let's be honest. He's been used left and right, a little bit of centre, moved around, playing in a 4-2-2-2, playing in a 4-4-2, playing in a 4-3-3, playing in a 4-2-3-1. And it was just like all over the shop, wasn't it? So I think for him that he'll be given a position. I think that will be the left side of the attack. Could be the right, depending on whether Anthony gets done or not. But I think he will play something that he is more used to consistently. And we did see last year, Scott, didn't we? That when he did look good, you could see that there was something there. There's a player there, isn't there? I think the other player that I'm looking towards next season is Marcus Rashford. Now, I know kind of Mark, we've just kind of mentioned him before. Marcus has to be much better than he was last year. That's undoubted. But again, I do think that he needs a coach that understands him and helps him be the player that he can be. We've seen in the past that he can return metrics of goals and assists. He's never going to be Mbappe. Right. So let's put that out there straight away. Fans look at him to be an elite level striker or completely garbage. And he's neither. He's somewhere in the middle going towards being a very good player when he can be. It's a World Cup year. He needs to be good this year to get in that England squad. I get the feeling he's ready to perform. But those are the two for me. And I really hope the other one is one of those defenders. Because I think you look at the back four and what they did last year in Ole's last season. and They did well. So you're looking at one of those guys to step up immediately. Luke Shaw, Varane, you hope. You even hope to an extent Harry Maguire can show that he is a true ball carrying centre-back rather than being just a very slow, poor footballer. So those three or four for me are like the existing bunch and they're the players that will get their chances in the earliest weeks under Ten Hag. Yeah, controversial one, Harry Maguire. I mean, I saw a, a some some media did a Vox Pop video a few weeks ago about should United sell Harry Maguire and like all of the answers were yes, get him out, get him out. Uh, I've never been that way with Harry Maguire, really. I just, I kind of do hope that 
he's had a hard time. <laughs> I really, I do kind of hope that he, he might lose the captaincy. He might. And I think if I was to guess, I think he probably will. Um, but that might help him out. I mean, I, I would like to see Maguire just get a bit of confidence back because we know he's, we know his deficiencies, obviously, but we haven't even seen a lot of his positives and why United did end up spending that much money on him because they must have saw something. Well, there's two things about it. When you look at, we just talked a lot, haven't we, about players where clubs are creating a market for the player. So if Manchester United wanted to sell Harry Maguire and create a market for him, they're not going to get anything either like his value or what they paid for him. So you go back to Leicester and you say, do you want this guy back? And they go, yeah, we do. We'll give you 32 million. May United go, oh, right. Okay. You go and bang on someone else's door and they go, no, we'll give you 35 million United going, oh my God, we don't like this market. And I think that's where you are with him. The other side of this is that we know that the manager, the new manager likes Harry Maguire. who has been very complimentary about him and says that he thinks he's actually a really good player and wants to find out why he had a bad season. Because I think this is what Ten Hag is doing. There's going to be a lot of this root and branch with players and say, okay, you were good. You were a world record defender not so long ago. You took England with you. There's being a major part to Euro finals. You helped United get to European final. Why did it go so bad last year? And do you know what? There might be reasons that we don't know. So this is where you leave it. That's where you have to get Ten Hag to go and do his thing. And I actually think it's better management to go and find those things out first before you just flog players. Yeah, you could say Phil Jones might not help you. And if you pay him off or you let him go on a free, you might be able to move him on. But do you want to do that with all of the squad? Yes, I know fans do want to do that. You'll have a poll and 92% will say sell him. But you can't just sell him for nothing. You can't. You can't do it. And I think that Raphael Varane was every bit as guilty as Harry Maguire last year at centre-back for United being bad. I really do. I think that so many United players had a problem last year for whatever reason, injuries or bad form or whatnot. So many of them. You know, is Luke Shaw suddenly a bad left-back? Well, the year before that, he was the best left-back in the world. And last year, he wasn't because he had four injuries. So what do you do? Sell him? No, it's it's silly. So you have to have a level of patience at this point of the build, Scott. And then you can kind of start moving forward. That's why I say that September 1st is really important. I think United will do more business once the manager has seen some players and spoken to them. You know, Anthony Martial, classic one. You might talk to Martial and go, actually, you're my guy. I like you. You could be my centre forward. I could turn you into something. Man United fans don't think that, but the manager might. I mean, a few years ago, everybody would have picked Anthony Martial over Sebastian Allaire, you know, three years a ago. thousand times over. Everybody. A thousand times over. Women have gone, well, that guy's talented and that, that guy's a donkey. Now you've got Haller on the market and they're going to get a good price for Haller. Do you know what I mean? So Haller might be, again, a player that comes into United's sphere or a player that is gettable. I don't know where the deal with, with Dortmund is at the I moment. I think that's done. I think It looks done yeah. and it looks like a decent price. But again, he's a player that that is like unfashionable. And football fans hate unfashionable footballers. They want to feel connected to someone who's on the rise, don't they? So it, it, there's a so much wait and see here with Manchester United because United will start spending money. But I'm just I'm just so focused, Scott, on it being the right players. Please don't give us eight duds. Do not give us eight Alex Tellers. I keep using him as an example. <laughs> it is no good getting someone for 11, 12, 13 million because they're really good at crossing the ball and they got 20 assists in a poor league. Sorry, Portuguese football fans. That's just how it is. You've got to make sure that the people coming in now are going to help you win from day one, but also develop your project over two or three years. You stole my line. Uh, I was going to say uh, there's a lot of players in there that we think could maybe do better. Alex yeah. Tellez, though, no. <laughs> I'd like to happen. see two in Zabi and Mengi are still players, two players that I look at and I think it's like a dream scenario, but I still look at them and think you could be United starting centre-backs one day. Now, I know that there isn't really proof in the pudding for me saying that, mm. but I look at their skill set and what they do and their natural leadership and I look at them and I think, yeah. But again, this is up to the manager to make it work, isn't it? You know, I loved uh, you know Angel Gomez and people were like, why and then he left the football club so it, it's there's there's going to be players i think that do show in the next few weeks especially over pre-season that maybe they have more value than manchester United fans believe they do tuanzebe turns 25 in november exactly. uh, it's now or never for him I, I just a final one as well i do kind of hope that 
Ten Hag finds a way to use Fred effectively uh, in a, to, to his best. You know, I think United will sign some midfielders, but I think Fred will get a bit of a look in this season as well. So I think Fred will. Fred? I, think Fred, I think Fred and McTominay will. Like McTominay's been given a new contract. McTominay, again, one of these players that, that is liked by the new manager. And, and let's be honest, even though he's disliked by United fans as a whole, I think fans do understand that he cares about the club, loves the club, and kind of gives his all. Again, he's a player that needs direction. So I think again with McFred, I think we'll see plenty of them next season, which will absolutely infuriate lots of United fans. But I do think the rotation just needs to be a bit smarter. You just need to have your top level players actually playing at a better level than they were 12 months ago. Yes, indeed. We'll see United return to preseason training early next week. I believe it's on Monday. So you can expect that the club's social channels will absolutely plaster us with pictures and videos of players meeting up, hugging each other or jumping on each other on the training ground, spraying each other with a hose pipe. I won the five-a-side today. Yeah. Oh, oh, five-a-side. How can I I forget the five-a-side pictures? Uh, It's terrible, that. What a great bunch of stuff to look forward to United fans uh... do you know I am positive I will leave it on a positive I'm positive that this manager will come in and fix a lot of this stuff a lot of the stuff that we just do not see behind the scenes or see on Twitter and see in the public domain or in the media he will be a strong coach and a strong figure and he will get investment from the board the board will buy players that he wants it's just that you might have to wait a little bit longer for it but I have faith in Ten Hag I do you know I, I think that he's the right character at the right time for a club that's been flailing for so, so, so many years. It's very easy to be negative, uh, especially at the back end of last season. Obviously, with the, the dividends coming out today, we know that there's a lot of uh, sentiment, negative sentiment around United at the moment. But if you're going to enjoy football, you got to be positive about it. So I'm going to try myself to get back into that mindset. I do think that Ten Hag will end up succeeding that's just i don't know that's my my man united hat on but i feel like i feel like they were so bad at the back end of last season <laughs> so bad they were so bad at the back end of last season that it can't get any worse and any improvement will be obvious straight away fingers crossed if the day comes that the glazers want to sell i pray united get the right set of owners to come in and do the job whoever that might be you know not kind of making assertions here but that's not a reality we live in today, is it? The reality is, is that preseason is about to kick off and we have to have some investment in the actual football and the process and the new project. So that's kind of where I am. And, I, and I'm definitely positive about those things. I'm positive that that these guys that were really bad last year can be better. And you know what? If they're not better, I also have faith that Ten Hag will show them the door. Yes, indeed. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well on YouTube. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment as well. We saw the comments the other day saying we should go live uh, at some point. Maybe we will in the next few weeks. Thank you very much for that. Get in touch with us. The link should be in the description of this episode as well if you're listening on an audio platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B. And at Promise and MU, thank you very much for listening today. We'll see you on Tuesday. See you soon.